this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. This week, we're reflecting on my chat a couple of days ago with Helen Heenan. Let's jump into the intro and we'll get right into it. Isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risplip. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is a YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says in the tin. And before we jump into my notes about my conversation with the lovely, amazing and mind-blowing Helen Heenan, because she blew my mind. I don't know if she did yours. If you've been the trainer as long as I have and uh, all that stuff or a fair chunk of that stuff was a little bit of a shift in a paradigm, then uh, you would have your mind blown as much as I did. Before we jump into that though, just a quick shout out to a couple of companies that help us keep upgrading and keep growing and uh, making sure the quality of this stuff is is good for you and and, and making sure that we can keep it free, uh, you know, at point of use. Um, well, free at point of use, that thing for us? No, just free, isn't it, for you? You can consume as much as you like, really. It's all free. Um, so firstly, to our official sponsors, Rebranding Safety. <laughs> Wait a minute, hang on a minute. Fucking dickhead, James. Wait, look, I had some joke runs and I didn't do it. There we go. Yeah, see, I got it all there. I just don't, I haven't really got the gist of how to use it all yet. Anyway, so the official sponsor of Rebranded Safety, which is not Rebranded Safety, it is Paradigm Human Performance and more specifically their HSE subscription package. For those of you listening that are kind of CEOs or MDs or business owners at small, medium-sized enterprise, and you listen to Rebranding Safety for a little bit of support, a little bit of uh, thought-provoking ideas as to how to manage your safety system, you, you're thinking now, mm, actually, I've been juggling all these balls and all these plates for such a long time, I, I, I now need to really look into this. Um, you know, safety can't be that thing that's just sitting there, out of sight, out of mind. I need to put some effort into this. This package is for you 100%. Paradigm Human Performance are primarily human or organizational performance specialists, but we've put together this package utilizing their experience of, of satisfying legal and regulatory um, and industry compliance, but at the same time, it, it's that kind of decluttered system. It's, it's focused. It, it got the worker safety DNA right at the center of it. It's going to teach you how to unlock appreciate and understand the subject matter expertise of the worker who are the experts at the end of the day um, around all the things that you're trying to deal with 
Um, so if you're looking for somebody to come in and really kickstart you or even just kind of revamp what you've already got or just to kind of support you ongoing, um, starting at £99 a month, Paradigm Human Performances, HSE subscription service is honestly the solution for you. I love what Paradigm are doing. We wouldn't have partnered with them. We wouldn't have allowed them to sponsor us if we didn't. Um, they've got this whole ethos of just educating and, and helping the world learn. And ultimately, they, they know what they're talking about. Um, so, yeah. I vouch for them. Check them out. Go to their website. If you want to go straight in, there's an email address, a phone number below as well. Websites below. If you're still not sure, go to the website and check out the Learning Organization webinar where you can get to meet the team, um, both UK and US teams of most most of the time on that call. So you can meet them all um, and you can really get a feel for their expertise. You can get a feel for them um, before you kind of sign on the dotted line. So go check that out as well. But otherwise, thank you very much, Paradigm, for sponsoring Rebrand and Safety. Okay, just one last shout out to my own company, um, Project Miletium. Project Miletium is a mastermind community. It's a mastermind membership for the safety professional. And as far as we're aware, it's the only mastermind uh, community for the safety professional. Anyone that's managing safety, be that within a wider role of risk or a wider role of operational management, um, CPD is something you do all the time. And actually, a lot of the time, do you really do it? Do you actually learn or do you just watch some stuff and you tick a box? Um, we, are, we, we run our project to actually deliver some value, to actually facilitate that process through essentially what are a series of calls. We have weekly community calls where we help, help each other grow and solve each other's problem. This is about actual tangible things in the moment. It's people saying, I've got this challenge or discussing the subject and saying, oh, I came across that and this is how I did it. This is not just watching a webinar with a load of helicopter views. We get deep and we do that on a Wednesday night or a Friday lunchtime, depending on which one you can come to. We also run philosophy calls. These are about to launch next week. This is the 11th of July that I'm recording this and these are about to launch next week. So actually when this comes out, they've launched last week uh, when you're listening to this. As far as we're aware as well, there are no regular conversations around philosophical thinking within the safety and risk profession, which is the foundations of everything. Philosophy is the foundations of absolutely everything we do. We got an absolute amazing amount of feedback for the uh, philosophy episode with Simon Cassin, who now we're working with at Project Malay, and he's helping us facilitate these conversations something that we really, really need. So I'm excited to see what's going to come out of that. So if you want in, you can uh, join Project Miletium at www.projectmiletium.com. That's not all you get. We also do a book club and we also do a quarterly wagon wheel, which we've just had on Sunday, uh, sorry, Saturday morning. These run once a quarter and these are big mastermind events. And we just had one, it, it just absolutely blew my mind. We went from talking about some real technical, human organizational performance stuff in the morning. And then in the afternoon, Sorry, in the late um, late morning versus early morning. So in the late morning, um, we were talking about mental health and our experience, talking about our own experiences and really opening up. We created a real psychologically safe community and we were talking about imposter syndrome and just the diversity, the depth, the emotion and the rawness of the conversation blew me away. So if you want to be involved in something that really honestly, and I know I'm biased because it's mine and Colin's company, but if, if you want to be involved in something that I've never seen this type of conversation in our safety profession, never, then please check out projectmillium.com because honestly, I think you'll fucking love it. 
If you want to try it out for free, just DM me or DM Colin Nottage and we'll get you in one of our community calls free of charge. You can try it first. Without further ado, let's get into my notes about Helen Heenan. That's enough from the sponsors. This podcast is starting to get a bit like fucking Joe Rogan, isn't it? The first hour is just his podcast. Uh, of course it's... I can't fucking speak again today. The first hour is just his sponsors. That's what I was trying to say. Anyway, sorry if you keep hearing a dum dum I'm just moving my mic um, around because I needed to get to my notes. Here we go. Okay. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation. I absolutely love Helen. I think she's such a lovely lady. Um, and this time, this week in uh, part two, we got really into the training side of things, really into the human factors uh, training that she does and trying to trying to withdraw that knowledge and give it to all of you, uh, which is pretty much my aim here at Rebranding Safety. So first things tonight is, if you haven't already, go and watch Sunny. Such a good film, especially if you're kind of starting to explore the human factors, human organisational performance, behaviours, whatever you want to call it. You're really starting to get into this stuff. You're starting to take an image in aviation, an image, um, an interest in aviation. And you're starting to think, oh, there's, there's quite a bit of lot I can learn from this aviation lot, you know. Go and watch Sully. One, it's a really good film. Two, cracking actors. So it's entertaining. So you grab yourself a bottle of wine, sit down, have a watch. If you don't like it. Well, there's something wrong with you, really, but, you know, at least you're not sitting there watching, like, a safety webinar or something. You, your wife, your partner, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, you can sit down, enjoy a bottle of wine, watch a good film. But you might just have a little little app open on your phone, taking a few notes, maybe. Maybe a pad next to you with a pen, something like that. Weirdo. Honestly, it's such a good film. It's an emotional film. It's just really good and... ah. Just a great film. Go and watch it. Go and watch it. And really start to try and think about that human factors stuff. And try and spot the line, but you're not thinking about the human factors. Because at that point, he's obviously talking about human factors. So, go watch the film. Let's get into some of my proper notes then. So, I've got here interesting note that on the event, I don't care. Oh yeah, so um, Helen made a really interesting note that, you know, when, when kind of... You're talking in, the, in, the, in, in, in an event, you know, in the moment of something going wrong... Um, so she's obviously talking from the moment within a plane that something's gone wrong. You know, she was like, I, I don't care about how we got here. You know, unless probably, and I'm speaking for her now, but unless probably there's something there that's obvious and it's going to help them. But like, ultimately, they don't care. Now, that made me think, like, how many conversations do you have at work, if you're anything like me, like all the time, where we're so focused on how we got here, we're not really focused on fixing a problem. Like, oh, we've got a problem. Oh, yeah, well, that's because Steve, Steve always does it like that. And I've told him so many times that you shouldn't do that. I was, I was like, I was just the other day, I was like, Steve, you shouldn't do it like that. And Steve was like, oh, go away. Charlie, I can't think of any names. Go away, Charlie. I've always done it like this, and it's never gone wrong before. Yeah, well, it's going to go wrong. It's totally going to You know what I mean? You could just feel that comes, and you're, like, sitting there in the middle of this. You're like, fucking hell. Like, I'm just trying to solve a problem here. But if we just switch that conversation to say, right, I don't care how we got here. That's not for today. That's for later on when we're, we're in our learning kind of process as to how to kind of stop it happening again. In this moment, in this immediate moment right now, we're just trying to fix the problem so we can all crack on with our work. I'm here to facilitate that progress, that process. Let's crack on. What do we need to achieve or, or, or where do we need to get to to fix this problem? There we go. Right. 
That's what we're focused on. Not fucking how we got here, not whose fault it is, not whether Steve should have done it or not. We're focused on how we fix a problem to get to there. How much time would be saved if we did that? There's so much focus on blame and accountability that ultimately I think it distracts us from what we're actually trying to achieve. And I thought that was a really good insight there from Helen. Okay, let's move on. I don't want to linger too much. I've got quite a lot of bullet points, so I don't want to linger too much on uh, on each one. Um, bum, 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 bum. Understand the difference between facilitator and instructor. I thought this was really interesting. Like, it's not a one-size-fits-all, as you'd have picked up throughout a few points that Helen was talking about. Um, but, you know, it's not a, oh, everybody must be a facilitator and or, or no, and no one should be an instructor. It's like, what are you trying to achieve here? Are you just just delivering knowledge that you need them to take up um, or are you trying to facilitate a more explorative session? You know, are you literally just do you need to just go? These are the facts. Boom, boom, boom. That's it. Then you're an instructor. Then do that. But if you need to get a more facilitative approach, depending on what you're trying to achieve, then you become a facilitator. I also do think that it's dependent on the person who is the trainer as well, like I'm, I'd like to think I'm more of a facilitative style, um, even though Helen has probably shown me that there's a lot of flaws in, in, in what, oh, sorry, a lot of flaws in what I do that, that kind of shift me over to probably a more instructor or at least don't help me as a facilitator. Um, but I just thought, you know, it's an interesting thing to really question yourself. I don't really know the answer as to when one is more suitable or not. But, you know, Helen kind of describes it as, you know, it's that kind of, are you just trying to pass knowledge on or, or, or kind of key points on, in which case you're an instructor? Or are you kind of trying to get them engaged and, and deal with a more dynamic situation? Um, you know, more of a workshop kind of process, maybe. Um, in which case, it is probably a facilitative style. So, for example, if I was just being like, here are the five types of, here are the different types of, uh, I don't know, passive fire protection, for example, right? Um, that's instructor. Passive fire protection, uh, this does this and this does that and that does this. God, I'm bored just saying it, right? And then if I want to talk about, right, okay, I'm going to do a little exercise now and we're going to talk about this fire, King's Cross fire. Watch this video and let's let's try and let's try and investigate that um, posthumously or whatever. That would be more of a facilitative style. So to Helen's point, right towards the end of the podcast, you're kind of envious of those people because they switch between the two. Um, so maybe that is what we need to achieve. But I do think that personality traits would mean you you probably sway one side to the other. So it's good to just understand the difference between the two so you can identify um, which one achieves what and identify that you've slipped into one side when actually you needed to be in the other. Um, and also when you're kind of designing your training you can be like oh this is a facilitative section this is a facilitative section and this is the instructor section for example or none of this is instructor and all of it is facilitative and, and this one is all uh instructor and none of it is is that what i just said you know what i mean you know what i'm saying vice versa basically 
so I thought that was a really good a good point. But ultimately, it comes down to something that I say on a podcast all the time, which I said in the conversation with Helen, is one thing that we're just really, really shit at is just defining what we're trying to bloody achieve here. What are we actually trying to achieve? We just we just have in our head all the time that we think that everything that um, everything that we do in safety is all about saving lives, and and ultimately, yes, that is our goal, but when we really break it down into what we're trying to achieve in that specific task, it, it might not always be that. So just fucking broaden your mind a little bit and, and re- then really narrow your focus on what you're trying to achieve for that specific task. Yeah? I genuinely think that's going to really help you. Okay, let's move on to my other points. Don't facilitate for the sake of it. And I thought the example that she gave around not facilitating for the sake of it, um, which is like, right, everyone give us the examples of uh, fatigue, or I think she used fatigue uh, as an example. Um, And then everyone kind of says it out, and then you put on the next slide some examples. Mate, I I was fucking trained to do that. Like, literally, I was trained to do it. I remember sitting in my trainer-trainer course, and they're like, here's a good example. I remember the fucking trainer doing it herself. Like, I literally remember the trainer doing that. Like, fuck me. Like, there's so much wrong with how we're fucking educated in this profession. It's shocking. It's Oh, just so far removed from what we're actually trying to achieve. And now it extends to our fucking training as well. I just, when she said that, I was just kind of sat there like, what the shit balls? Like, ah, oh, it just gets me pumped, man. To like, for what we're doing in Project Malitim, like we're really trying to tr- address a load of this shit. But like, it just gets me riled up. It really does get me riled up that like, we're so like we've got so much stuff we can learn for so some in, industries like aviation but we just kind of leave them over there to do their fit oh that's just how you train in aviation that's not how you train that wouldn't work in, in like normal occup you know normal roles like manufacturing or something and i'm just like but but one of the biggest problems for trainers is getting people engaged. It's been one of my biggest challenges as a trainer, as a twice accredited fucking aviation CAA approved trainer. Like, shit, it's one of my biggest challenges. As a person that bloody loves training as well, like I love training. It's one of my favourite things to do. And I'm, oh, I've been shutting it down all the time all the time you know there's little things of like always validating what they say you know and and just when helen describes that kind of being the facilitator for the sake of it right right everyone give me examples and then you kind of don't validate what they say because like "Mm, that's quite not quite what i was looking for like you've asked for their opinion and then you go and put a slide up which shits all over their opinion i'm just like what the fuck i was literally trained to do that fascinating absolutely fascinating we are so far removed from reality and from 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 human factors specifically in how we train in the safety profession we, we are not trained as safety as what i would perceive as a safety professional now i think we are trained as compliance assessors um and i don't think that all of this stuff is just is yeah, I think I think we need to really understand what what a safety professional is really uh, before we can really start to dig into a lot of this stuff. Because people might not want this type of modern safety professional; they might just want these compliance assessors, for example. 
fascinating. What's the other point I've got there? Validate, validating the, you know, that I think that was just fascinating, and and I and I like the idea when what she's I like kind of what what she's doing there by validating that delegate's ideas. Right, you're asking for their their ideas, you're writing them down, and there's little bits there that have the slight psychological kind of impact on a person. It's like is and I was doing a workshop. I was did. I was facilitating a digital workshop yesterday for Project Meletium and I'm, I'm, you know, used some of the kind of tools that Helen had kind of given us all in that podcast. But I, I realised back, actually looking back on one, is I, I am taking control of the notes. I'm paraphrasing, whereas actually it would have been better if I'd have turned around and, and gone right. How shall I say that? You've said quite a lot there. What do you think I should write in this, in this, in this post-it for a couple of, um, for just for you know, like a few words? Can you paraphrase that for me? It's like, and you do that yourself, you take control, therefore you're, you're not, you know, kind of allowing as much as a, a open and uh, kind of emergent kind of situation that you're after. So all those tiny little things, yeah, we are well far away from that, well far away from that. Preparation is everything when it comes to training, as I'm starting to see. It always was really important for me, and and also a struggle for me. I'm a very um, off-the-cuff kind of person. I Don't get me wrong, I prepare, but I'm very much like, yeah. I just like to have those chats with people, so I quite... You know, I, I will only pick a subject that I know I can talk about, and, and then... Yeah, and then I'm like, cool, man, here's the slides or here's the structure or here's the lesson plan or here's the exercise framework or here's the props. I've got all my shit. Other than that, I'm, I'm one that is, is the less prepared, the better, which sounds weird AF. And do you know what? Sometimes it has failed like massively and I've learned and I've learned and I have just over the years realized that, do you know what? If I plan for everything when it comes to training because if you're going to train especially if you're going to train in other venues like not your own venue once you start just turning up at a hotel in the morning and you're going to train in like three hours time and you get there and nothing's there it's all fucked and you're like shit now what being prepared for every eventuality is your capacity to fail safe and I've learned over the years that I just have to suck that up. My attention to detail needs to improve. And and over the years it has, I know, you know, it's been a hard lesson. But think of all those things, those extra things that Helen talked about that I wouldn't have considered. Like the, the shape of the room. How does the shape of the room, how does how we've set that up help me deal with somebody who's disengaged or someone who, who is kind of blatantly disengaged, who really just doesn't give a shit and doesn't want to be there? You know, how do I deal with low numbers turning up today? How do I deal with a, a kind of disproportionate amount of numbers on maybe one side of the hierarchy or something like that? How do I deal with an overpowering leader in the room? You know, how do I deal with, with many of these things? How do I deal with position types? I've had a training situation once where I I regularly use this little exercise where I've got some uh, little bags of uh, of Lego bricks. They're all the same bricks in each bag, and and there are enough bricks there to make a model duck. I've talked about this many times in the podcast, I think, and it's a very simple little exercise, and it's really good for for a couple of things, but mostly I use it to show that the way people solve problems is different. 
but nonetheless we've still achieved a duck so therefore it's not one size fits all it is a way to kind of facilitate a an example of how standardization is not always the answer um but i remember going to a, a training room once i was doing this session and we are getting on really well the whole group's a really good group really engaged and um and then i, I give out these these little baggies <laughs> so to speak of lego and um normally everybody's like huh what what and i'm like just just build a duck well how though just well just build a duck right like use your imagination just look at it and build a duck and, and one lady in the room had had kind of a, a kind of mental health um challenge so to speak um with stuff like that maybe a bit of ocd i don't really know i don't want to try and diagnose that's definitely not my place um but basically she she really struggled to do anything without instructions like she had to have instructions if she had to think outside the box or use her own imagination it it was a it was a a kind of trigger for some serious anxiety i suppose or maybe depression i don't know probably probably anxiety um but stress ultimately you know it was a stressor for her a significant stressor and and at first i just thought she was just being a bit of a funny burger and i was like come on just build it you know being trying to be nice but encouraging and 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 kind of push her a little bit into an uncomfortable space but but still um safe so to speak um and it just did not work she looked really uncomfortable and i was like hey come on what's what's up uh, here's an example of the one that i've done and um it just got worse and worse and i just decided right okay cool that's fine you just um leave it and then at lunchtime i went over and checked she was all right she said yeah it's fine she explained it to me and i was like oh fuck me i've never come across a situation like that before um so you know it's really interesting how do you deal with stuff like that and, and ultimately a lot of it comes from just experience of dealing with a situation like that i'd have probably never known to prepare for something like that but it, that is human factors isn't it it's the different people and, and different ways of reacting um so preparation understanding even if it's just mental preparation in your head going through scenarios i i find is really helpful in in your in your head so I, I use this technique for big meetings or uh, if I'm trying to pitch an idea to my boss or something. If I'm driving to the meeting, I will literally act that out in the car on the way there. In my, in my, I would say it out loud. Like, I'd be like, right, look, I think this is the idea of just finished my presentation. And the boss goes, well, we haven't got the budget for that. Okay, how, and then I literally go through scenarios of how I respond to that and, and how they might respond. Like, I kind of write a book about it in my head. You know, you can do the same thing in your training. Really think about it. Really act it out. Try and try and recreate some of those nerves as well. So, you know, when you're nervous, your blood pressure's kind of up, I think, or down. Well, either way, it's kind of similar to you've just got off a run or something. Your heart's pumping a little bit more. You're in a peak. You're in a point of stress. You know, so maybe get yourself real pumped up, real nervous, or go for a run, come back, and then try and deliver your presentation. You know, what's that look like? So. You know, try and recreate those situations, and 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 it's not going to work all the time. It really depends on on, on where you are um, in your kind of training experience. Don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not kind of going for a run and recreating my nerves every time because um, none of us got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that shit. Ain't nobody got time for that. But yeah, just think about all those situations. Too many numbers, not enough numbers. But you know. Too many hierarchical, high high end of the, you know, too many blunt end, too many sharp end. There we go. Um, you know, 
people types and so on and so forth. I, I really do think that Helen touched a lot on that. Next point I've got here is a knowledge of the subject. I think this is really interesting because I think that people would go, yeah, yeah, I've got knowledge of the subject because manual handling training and I'm the safety guy. Yeah. I know all about manual handling regulations and I know all about the manual handling in cap. I'm the man when it comes to manual handling. No, you're the man when it comes to manual handling legislation and ACOPs, that's it. You know nothing about manual handling in their reality. Absolutely diddly squat. So knowledge of the subject would be going into their workplace and experience it. But sometimes that's not possible. So how do we deal with that situation? I think, in my opinion, that's where you're flipping over to that facilitative style in that you're using the room. So you are clear on what your knowledge is. Look, I'm just a fire safety expert, for example. I wouldn't ever really refer to myself as an expert. Maybe you shouldn't either. But I'm the guy that knows the kind of the complexities of kind of fire safety design and the legal requirements and and other than that, I'm just pretty good problem solver and a bit of a facilitator. So I'm going to say something around the requirements of a fire alarm system. And you're going to tell me whether that fucking works for you or not. And then we're going to facilitate a conversation to find out how we can solve that problem. Just to still train him. So, yeah, have a think about that. You know, you need good knowledge of the subject you really do that's going to give you some capacity in your brain to be a bit more dynamic a bit more emergent and and to solve problems if anything comes up but ultimately also remember that if that you need you need experience of that work has done as well and if you can't get that then you've got to be prepared to let them lead the room as well i think in my opinion helen might be listening to this and being like oh that was like no way he has got that way wrong um, and if she does, then let's get her back on. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I mean, we've, we've kind of, I've already touched on this, but like, I think the biggest, one of the biggest challenges for a trainer is that really overtly disengaged, uh, delegate person that is just like, I don't want to be here and I don't give a fuck what you think, <laughs> you know, borderline rude. Some of them are not even borderline rude. They're just straight up rude. Um, I think that that is one of the biggest challenges. You know, that classic person turns up 20 minutes late to the training with a Starbucks coffee in hand and then immediately says, um, what time do we finish? Because I'm really busy. And then probably sits there on the phone answering emails for, for the first hour. Or, or even like the guy that I had just straight up sits down and goes to sleep. Like they just didn't want to be there at all. I think it takes a lot of balls to manage with stuff like that. Um, a lot of um, a lot of confidence in yourself but ultimately as the trainer you need to do something about it so how can you prepare for a situation like that so to Helen's point preparing the room designing the room to enable you to be able to deal with someone like that overtly engaging with somebody like that but ultimately I also think there comes to a point where you might just have to have to ask somebody to leave I don't know. I've never done that before. Um, I do. I do think sometimes you just have to address it if they're really, um, really being kind of shitty and, and impacting other people's learning. And, and ultimately, I don't think it's a reflection on you or your training. I think most of the time when this happens, they've already decided they don't want to be there. You know, it's a it's a symptom of the culture of the business. So don't take it too personally. 
Um, but ultimately, the biggest challenge that you'll deal with as a trainer and something that we all learn um, and are learning to deal with. But really, I don't think many of us have got it nailed down because ain't now as strange as folk. And finally, just to kind of summarize it all, what are we talking about here? What are we really talking about? We're talking about creating a sense of psychological safety in your training room. And I kind of summarize those points that it comes down to, I put here protection, control and validation. Yeah, like, so I put down protection. I was trying to work out what protection meant, but like, it not making them feel vulnerable. So what do I mean by protection? So that could be like the 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 way you've set out the room. So that that classroom example that that um, Helen gave, where you put the front row as a barrier between you and them, like that's a protection from their vulnerability. So the U open U shape makes them really vulnerable because there's nothing in front of them. The trainer can go right up to them. It's that kind of old school. Uh, well, teach parent teacher thing, isn't it? Like it feels vulnerability. It makes you feel vulnerable. Sorry. So protection from vulnerability. How can you design that out? Can you use the room? Can you allow them to sit with people they know? Um, you know, I I have found when I've done training, if if they are with people they know, they do open up a hell of a lot more. If you let them sit where they want to sit, then it really does help. It really does help. And if you need them to sit in a, in a semi-particular way, for example, like you want a manager, a supervisor and shop floor staff, you know, as equally as possible, you can say that. You can say, right, guys, you know, the, the tables are set up in squares of four or, or, or six or eight or whatever. Um, you know, just sit where you want. Just just try and try and get a good split of managers and shop floor, um, please, because it's quite important that we do that for some of the exercises. Um and just keep saying it as they're coming in yeah the next one was kind of control so i think a lot of people would think about control as you as a trainer you control that room i actually think it's more about giving the control back to the 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 delegate (laughs) the delegate is giving them a sense of control i think that is also important but i think yourself in your head and behind your scenes you've got that hidden control it's a really good example of that for me was Helen's um, book when she borrowed her little girl's book and she had the nursery rhymes. Um, that That's what they saw, but behind, this, behind the scenes, or literally in this case behind the book, um, Helen had her notes. So it, it's given, you've got a sense of control, but they don't see it as control. You know, they don't see you there reading the notes and like, oh, he's got loads of notes, he doesn't know it, but, but you do. You, know, and you do, that doesn't make sense. You know what I'm trying to say. So it's kind of that hidden control, um, but giving them the control so that it, it kind of like you're a bit vulnerable. So what does that look like? I think that looked like that example of saying, of not having the slide up next of all the fatigue examples, just saying to them, you know, and you've got a list of examples that you know that you can go off with. That's your behind the scenes control. And you're saying, right, come on, what, what ideas have we got for, for the symptoms of fatigue? Oh, thank God, somebody just said, I don't know, somebody just said crankiness. Right, well, I can go somewhere with that. Yeah, so there's behind the scenes control for you. It's your p- preparation, your capacity to fail. Um, but for them, it's a sense of control that you're creating for them. And, and and as part of that, I think validation. Validation of their ideas is probably one of the most important things that Helen said in that, in that conversation. I think it's just vital. 
it's just vital i i think when when she said it it was just kind of like yes yes that's so true is when someone says something and you go no no that's not quite what i'm looking for and i've done this i've done this not so long ago you know i'm still learning the same as you are i think it's like yeah just completely shuts them down like helen said so really eye-opening really really eye-opening okay peeps that'll do that's all of my notes i hope you enjoyed the conversation with helen um i loved it that's why we got her back on i thought she was absolutely fantastic so thank you very much helen for coming on the podcast if you're listening to this one um also thank you very much to paradigm human performance hsc subscription service uh, for sponsoring rebranding safety don't forget if you are that kind of small medium-sized enterprise and you need a bit of help and support with safety then that is the place for you if you're not sure then you can go check out their learning organization webinar as well so you can get to know them a bit first all the details are in the description below if you're a safety risk or operational person that deals with safety or anything like that um, professional for all of those <laughs> then Project Miletium is the mastermind community for you. As far as we're aware, Colin and I, when we founded it, and as we've gone in four months now, there is no other community like this out there. The conversations we're having are phenomenal, and we are growing at a rapid rate. You know, So you've probably never seen a caliber of debate like this on a regular basis it's phenomenal and if you're not sure go and find an existing member and you can have a chat with them and if you're still not sure you can come and try a call free of charge we'll get you on one of our weekly community calls completely free of charge you can try it out first so if you want to talk about that just dm me or colin nottage or email us at me at projectmillennium.com and our website is all, all everything's in the description below you can also contact us for our website if you would like Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. I shall catch you next week. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson. Thank <laughs> you.